Good morning, church. Okay, let us turn to our Bibles, to um, 1 Peter 4, verse 1 to 6. And we'll be reading um, by the New International Version. Before we start to read, please um, bow our heads and let us pray. Heavenly Father, may all honour and praise be yours. Open our eyes, gracious Lord, as we turn to your word. We long to know you, to understand life and to be changed in a deeper way. Examine us, Lord, by the floodlight of your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living and they heap abuse on you but they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge in the living and the dead for this reason for this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body but living according to God in regard to the spirit this is the word of the Lord All right, very good morning to all of you. The Lord be with you. Uh, to those of you who are joining us online, the Lord be with you too, and we hope that you will be able to join us soon. Now, as we learn to live with COVID-19, let us continue to trust the Lord to keep us safe. And if we do get infected, as some of us had been, uh, we will pray to the Lord for healing. Again, I'm encouraged by all of you turning up uh, this morning, uh, let us be intentional uh, to spur one another to persevere in the faith. Remember that church is where we belong and church is where we live out as disciples of Christ. And as disciples of Christ, uh, we often find difficulties living out the Christian life. And one reason for this difficulty, I believe, is because we try to live the Christian life with our own mindset, our own mindset which is more in line with the world. But we can't do that. You see, to live the Christian life with any measure of success, well, we need the mind of Christ. We need the mind of Christ to shape our thinking and to shape our desires. And this is what the Apostle Peter wants us to know and wants us to have. Because without the mind of Christ, we will invariably revert back to our old ways of living. And that is not where we want to be. We want to be always growing in our faith. We want to always be growing in our Christ-likeness. And that can 
only come if we are armed with the attitude of Christ. And so if you have your Bible, uh, please turn with me to the first uh, six verses of chapter 4 of the first letter of Peter, uh, which Louisa has read to us. Now, Peter begins, um, begins the chapter with these words, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. Now, as we said previously, whenever we come to the word therefore, we know Peter is making a conclusion based on a preceding argument. The preceding argument is at the end of chapter 3, which we considered last Sunday. And Peter has been arguing that Jesus suffered in his body on the cross to bring us to God. And as a result, Jesus was exalted to the right hand of God in heaven. And so now at the beginning of chapter 4, Peter draws the conclusion and he exhorts us to embrace unjust suffering like Jesus did. And how do we embrace suffering? Well, by arming ourselves with the attitude of Christ, Peter says. Now, notice that Peter is using warfare language here. We are to arm ourselves. And this is because uh, living the Christian life is a spiritual battle. And you may remember that the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Ephesians, tells us that our struggle is not with flesh and blood, but with authorities, powers, and spiritual forces of evil. And therefore, Paul instructs us to put on the whole armor of God. And likewise, Peter here is telling us that if we are to win the spiritual battle, we are to arm ourselves with the attitude of Christ. We are to arm ourselves with the mindset of Christ. And how do we arm ourselves with the mind of Christ? Well, there is only one way, and that is to immerse ourselves in the Word of God. We need to study and meditate on Scripture because both Old and New Testaments are about Christ. And Scripture reveals to us the mind of Christ. And yet... We often don't make time to read and study scripture. Instead, we spend more time uh, reading and learning about about the latest achievements of our tennis uh, heroes or our basketball heroes. And we know more about the habits and lifestyle of our favorite movie stars. But we are often vague in our knowledge of the word of God. And sadly, many of us don't have the desire to inquire about Scripture. And so we deprive ourselves of knowing the mind of Christ. This can only spell trouble because you cannot live the Christian life and expect to flourish without the attitude of Christ. So friends, you need to be intentional about this. When Peter says, arm yourselves, He's not giving you an option. 
Now he is commanding you because he is calling you to war. And there is a spiritual warfare to be fought. And you have to win it. And you can only win it with the mindset of Christ, which you will learn from studying Scripture. And so the Apostle Paul tells us that Scripture is the sword in uh, our armour of God. And now you can imagine a Roman soldier all geared up for battle, but he fails to carry a sword. Now, that would be ridiculous. And sadly, that is the situation with many Christians. They put their trust in Jesus, but they stop there. They don't progress to seriously study the doctrines of the faith in, in Scripture. And so their knowledge of Christ remains minimal. And as a result, they don't think like Christians ought to think, and they still think very much like the world. So brothers and sisters, we need to prioritize the serious study of Scripture. Have a regular Bible reading plan. Memorize and meditate on Scripture. And join a Bible study group if you are not already in one. And read good Christian books. And in this way, you will immerse yourselves with the attitude of Christ. And with this attitude of Christ, you will win the spiritual battle. Now, what is this spiritual battle that all Christians are engaged in? Well, it is the spiritual battle to fight and win against sin. To fight and win against sin. So look at the last clause of verse 1. Whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. Now, if we read the clause on its own, we may get the idea that suffering has a purifying effect on us, such that uh, we will become sinless. Now, but this is not what Peter is saying. And our experience and elsewhere in Scripture tells us that uh, we still do sin, even after we become followers of Christ. So Peter cannot be saying that suffering has a sanctifying power that removes sin from us. No. What Peter is saying in the context of the verse is this. When we are armed with the mindset of Jesus, we would rather suffer unjustly than sin. And because we choose to suffer, we are done with sin. We have the power not to sin. And this power comes with the attitude of Christ. Now, you may remember the attitude of Christ, of the attitude of Jesus. He consistently chose to obey God, even when doing so caused him to suffer, and caused him to suffer misunderstanding and caused him to be rejected by the people and the authorities. So Jesus' willingness to obey God made him overcome every temptation to sin. And so in the same way, when we have the same attitude of Jesus, we will choose to obey God <clears throat> rather than sin, even though obedience may cause us to suffer. 
So, for example, if your boss asks you to fudge the books, you, may, you, you, you refuse because um, you want to obey God. But as a result, you lose your promotion um, and you lose your job and, yeah, you, you, you choose to suffer in obedience to God rather than sin. Or another example, maybe if you backed into a parked car, uh, you could drive off and the owner would never know who <clears throat> hit her car. But you, cho you choose to leave your name and your number on her windscreen. And so, brothers and sisters, choose to do the right thing rather than sin. And when you would rather endure unjust suffering for the sake of Christ, you show that you are done with sin. And sin no longer has an attraction for you. And you have won the spiritual battle against sin. But how would your family and your friends know that you have this attitude of Christ that helps you uh, Done, uh, helps you be done with sin. Well, Peter says that uh, your family and friends will know that you have this attitude of Christ by your changed behavior. You see, people will know that we are true disciples of Christ because they see our changed priorities. And there are three consequences of our changed priorities. First, uh, we will now live for the will of God. Second, we will lose some friends when we change our priorities. And third, we will not fear death. So let us consider each of these three consequences of our changed priorities. First, we will live for the will of God. Look at verse 2. Uh, Peter says, as a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. So when we win the spiritual battle over sin, of course we win our uh, spiritual battle over sin not in our own strength, uh, but in the power of the mindset of Christ, which is the work of the Holy Spirit in us as we immerse ourselves in Scripture. So once we win the spiritual battle, uh, we have the desire to live the rest of our earthly lives, not for selfish ambition, but for the will of God. Now, it is common to divide God's will into two categories. Uh, there is God's revealed will that is found in Scripture. And there is also God's hidden will, which we do not know until we look back. Okay, so an example of God's hidden will is our future. We do not know our future. Only God knows, and He is in control of it. So therefore, it would be a waste of time trying to guess what our future will be. So we are not to live for God's hidden will. Instead, we are to live for God's revealed will found in Scripture. And again, this tells us how important it is for us to be immersed in the study of Scripture. Not only does Scripture inform us, 
of the mind of Christ, but it tells us also about God's revealed will for us. <clears throat> and we are to live our lives in alignment with God's revealed will. So, from Scripture, we know that God wants us to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And so what does this mean? It means that we will put God first in our lives. We will not store for ourselves treasures on earth. We will not use our wealth to build our own little kingdoms. Instead, we will use our wealth to support gospel work everywhere. We want to use our wealth to support church plants, to support missionaries, and to support the training of pastors so that the kingdom of God will keep expanding to replace the kingdom of this world. And this is how we are to live for the will of God. We must be excited and be actively involved in seeking to build up the church and the gospel ministry. From Scripture, we also know that God's revealed will is for all of us to be conformed to the image of His Son. And so we are to be more and more Christ-like. And there must be this desire to be more and more like Jesus. So whether at home or at work, we want people to see the beauty of Jesus in us. We want them to see the integrity, the purity, the compassion and the kindness of Jesus in us. So brothers and sisters, let us pray and let us work hard in living for God's will and let our lives shine always for Jesus. Now the second uh, consequence <clears throat> of our changed priorities when we have the mind of Christ uh, is that we will lose some friends. So uh, Peter tells us this in verses 3 and 4. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. And they are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless while living, and they heap abuse on you. Now, before our conversion, uh, all of us had spent enough time in the past living out our sinful desires for sex, for food, uh, for drink, for entertainment. Now, we might not be as bad as what uh, Peter describes about the ancient pagans. Nevertheless, uh, we were idolat idolatrous because we had made the good things into the ultimate things. But once we have been converted, our priorities change. We now live for the will of God, not for our sinful desires. And so we stop doing the things that are not good for our spiritual life. But our unbelieving friends would be very surprised when we stop doing uh, what we used to do. And they think that we have gone crazy. And they think, and they may th view us as killjoy, that we do not know how to enjoy the pleasures of life. But we know because we have a different set of priorities. And so we now dance to a 
different tune. And because we now dance to a different tune, uh, our unbelieving friends may not understand us. And so uh, they may criticize us for abandoning, abandoning them. And, and they may even slander and malign us. And so we lose their friendship. And this is the challenge to new converts today. When you start to follow Christ, you may have to decide which friends you can keep. And for the sake of your new life in Christ, you may have to keep your distance from those friends who may lead you back to your old sinful lifestyle. Now, of course, it is painful. It will be painful to lose your old friends, but it is often necessary so that you may live for the will of God. But God will make up for your loss. You see, the friends you lose for the sake of your new life, Jesus will compensate you with many new friends in his church. And these new friends will be like brothers and sisters to you. And they would have the same mindset. And together, you will pursue righteousness. You will seek first God's kingdom. And together, you will grow in faith and in the knowledge of Christ. So the third consequence of uh, <clears throat> our changed priorities is that we will no longer fear death. Now, verses 5 and 6 uh, read, but they, have, but they will have to give an account uh, to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached, even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. Now, there are some difficulties here in these two verses. And at first glance, it is hard to see how these two verses will encourage believers to not fear death. But we need to understand the background to this letter. And we need to understand that <clears throat> Peter is addressing a, a problem in the early church. You see, the early church had thought that Christ would return and deliver them from the experience of death. And so when they started seeing some Christians dying, um, they start to question what would happen to the dead. So Peter addresses their concern and ours today. So Peter says, God will judge the living and the dead. And those who are living will anticipate the coming judgment and give an account of their life to God. But those who have died, Peter says that in one sense, they have been judged in the body because all have sinned and death is the wages of sin. However, those who responded to the gospel before they died, uh, though their body returned to earth, their spirit will live on in God's presence. So they may have died, but their spirit lives on 
um, in God's presence. For that is the promise of the gospel. See, the gospel says that those who believe in Christ Jesus will not face God's judgment after death, but will receive the gift of eternal life. That is the promise of the gospel. And that's why believers who are in Christ have nothing to fear about death. But today, many unbelievers also claim that they do not, that they do not fear death. And some of the unbelievers who do not fear death uh, argues it that this way that uh, there is no life after death. Death is the end of their existence. So there is no judgment to be fearful of. But denying the existence of an afterlife does not make the reality of judgment go away. Now, others, uh, other unbelievers who do not fear death uh, give the reason that they have lived a good life, a decent life, and God would have no reason to judge them. And I think this is a very uh, popular uh, belief, that if you live a good life, <clears throat> there's no reason why God will not let you into heaven. Now, of course, if we could save ourselves with good works, we don't have to fear death. But the reality is that we can't. We can't save ourselves because we are not good enough. If we are honest with ourselves, we are actually not good people. We don't keep promises. We don't always do good the, the good we ought to do. And we, don't, uh, we, we often do the bad we are not supposed to do. And so we are all sinners. As the Bible says, we all are. None of us is righteous. And so we deserve God's judgment unless we put our trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. And so the Bible tells us that there are two ways to die. I know some of us know already the two ways to live, but this, is, this may be new. There are two ways to die. We either die in our sins or we die in faith in Jesus. Now, if we die in our sins, we will bear the penalty of our sins. And that is what God's judgment is. We will suffer in hell for our sins. And that is something all of us should be extremely fearful about. Now, however, if we die in faith in Jesus, we need not fear hell. We need not fear the judgment. Because Jesus has already paid the penalty for our sins. And having paid the full penalty for our sins, Jesus invites us into eternal life, into God's presence forever. And so this morning, let us ask ourselves this question. If we were to die today, would we die in faith 
or will we die in sin? Well, if you have not put your trust in Jesus, I pray that you will not delay. And if you need to talk to someone about this, come and speak to me after the service. But for the rest of us who are already Christians, who have already put our faith in Christ, let us be encouraged by what Peter has said. And we, when we are in Christ, when we have the attitude of Christ, there is nothing to fear. The Christian life may be difficult, we may lose some friends, we may not, en we may not get to enjoy the, all the pleasures of this world, uh, and we may have to endure unjust suffering, but know, know that in the final judgment, when there will be a final accounting for everyone, we will not fall short. No. We will stand tall and live on forever because we have put our faith in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus, who is God and our Savior. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you help us see the reality of the spiritual battles we face daily. We often forget our armor and we fail to arm ourselves for the battle against sin. So we pray this morning that you will always arm us with the mind of Christ so that we will love the things you love and hate the things you hate. And please strengthen us to endure the unjust suffering that may come our way. And remind us that the afflictions we bear are nothing compared to the eternal glory that we will share with Jesus in your kingdom. In his name we pray. Amen.